0: Oh, oh,
1: everyone this is 30 day trek I'm your host, Luke Cannon, and today we are looking at the second episode of the animated series, Yesteryear. Of the handful of episodes of the animated series, this is widely considered to be the best episode of them all, and for good reason. Written by showrunner and legendary Trek writer DC Fontana, the episode is about Spock going back in time via the Guardian of Forever to save his younger self from being killed while partaking in another Vulcan ritual, the Coswan Ordeal. Posing as a distant cousin, Spock interacts with Sarah. Amanda, and his younger self as child Spock deals with Vulcan bullies and Aichaya, his pet Salad. You followed me. Why?
0: I suspected you would go. You are worried about the Kazwan ordeal.
1: I had to see if I could do it. A personal test. I cannot fail.
0: That is your father's wish?
1: Yes, and my mother's, they, they confuse me. Father wants me to do things his way and mother says I should, but then she goes.
0: She is a human woman with strong emotion and sensitivities. She embarrasses you with those traits and you are afraid when you see them in yourself.
1: How did you know?
0: There is some human blood in my family line. It is not fatal. What you do not yet understand, Spock, is that Vulcans do not lack emotion. It is only that ours is controlled. Logic offers a serenity humans seldom experience in full. We have emotions, but we deal with them and do not let them control us.
1: Ajaya!
0: The LaMachia struck him with its poison claws in the fight.
1: Is he dying? Yes. LA Year is an important episode for a number of reasons. First of all, with the animated series acting as an unofficial fourth season of TOS, the series was able to take advantage of the canon and expand upon it. DC took what had been established with Spock in Journey to Babel and run with it to show the younger Spock grappling with his mixed heritage and being caught between two worlds. And seeing the older Spock explain to his younger self that Vulcans have emotions but do not let it control them is a great character moment that showed both the nuance and sensitivity that DC and Leonard Nimoy brought to the depiction of the most iconic character in all of Star Trek. Secondly, this episode shows why the animated series is important to the overall history of the Trek franchise. For the longest time, the animated series always had this nebulous relationship to the franchise, where it's considered non-canon by Gene and the Okudas, who were specifically instructed not to include it into one of the Star Trek guidebooks that they wrote. But so much of what we associate with Star Trek was introduced in the animated series, and specifically in this episode. The Vulcan City layout and architecture was reused when they remastered the TOS episode Amok Time in HD. The moment of Spock as a child being bullied for being half-human would be repeated to great effect in Star Trek 09. And even the character of Thalen, who is the Andorian First Officer that Kirk and Spock discovered in Spock's place in the alternate timeline of the first act of the episode, was retconned into a new subspecies of Andorians called Anars in the Anar episode of Enterprise and will be a new character in the upcoming Strange New World series. So, like Amok Time, or the aforementioned Journey to Babel, this is another episode whose existence deeply impacted the future of the Trek franchise. Thirdly, this is the episode that showed that even though this was a half-hour Saturday morning cartoon made in the early 70s, the animated series was not going to be a show that talked down to its audience and be childish. This was a series where the central conflict of the episode was whether or not a boy was going to let his childhood pet and best friend be euthanized. It's an episode about a child learning how to deal with death, which was a story DC desperately wanted to tell. And when the network heard about it, they were understandably concerned that that this would put their young audience off, but Jean ran interference and told them to leave DC alone, and that she knew what she was doing. They stuck to their guns, and by treating the animated series with the same amount of dedication and reverence that they did with TOS, this helped to keep the flame of Star Trek in the 70s going with the fans, which at that time had exploded thanks to the syndication of the original series, and would culminate by the end of the decade. As for trivia in regards to this episode, the younger Spock was voiced by child actor Billy Simpson, which is unusual in that it's rare for child characters in animation to be voiced by actual children. The only exception around that time would have been the Peanut Specials. And when he came in for the audition, they recorded him doing all of young Spock's lines and ended up using the line readings there for the actual episode. So he ended up doing all the voice work before he actually got the part, which both thrilled and worried him since he ...he had put the wrong emphasis on one word in one of his lines... ...and he mispronounced Aichaya's name... ...which was supposed to be Ichaya. ...but rather than spend the extra money to re-record his lines... ...they just kept the pronunciation for when the main cast recorded their lines. As for the other actors... While Amanda was voiced by Majel Barrett, who, along with Michelle Nichols, voiced the majority of all the women roles on the show, Mark Leonard did come back to reprise his role of Sarek. Outside of the main cast, he was one of only three actors from TOS who came back to reprise their memorable guest roles, the other two being Roger C. Carmel as Harry Mudd and Stanley Adams as Cyrano Jones. And this episode is tied with the ambergris element as the one with James Doohan voicing seven roles, which was nothing new for Doohan, as he was always the go-to guy for voicing all the minor male characters on both TOS and TAS. And as for Thalen, the aforementioned Andorian, being grey as opposed to the traditional blue, this was a production mistake as Hal Sutherland was colorblind. And when one watches the series, you see a lot of colouring and animation mistakes, which does not help when you watch it in HD. When you see the Enterprise go across the screen, it's clear that it's a cell that's just being pulled from left to right. But the fact that this group has now been canonized and will be expanded on shows the verisimilitude of the franchise and how... Mistakes can lead to great ideas. But speaking of production screw-ups that contradict what had been established earlier, when we see Vulcan for the first time and its very trippy 1970s design, there is a large planetoid hanging in the sky— Which would normally be fine, but in the first scene of The Man Trap, which was the very first episode of Star Trek that aired over 55 years ago, Spock tells Uhura that Vulcan has no moon. And even though both DC and Gene explicitly wrote, NO MOON on the preliminary sketch, the animators apparently didn't see it, and they still put in a moon for Vulcan. So while this is the best episode of the animated series... It's still a flawed one. And if you're wondering why the roar of the La Macha sounds so familiar, that's because it's the original Godzilla's roar. And that's it for yesteryear. Tomorrow, we are continuing on with the animated series with an episode that showed just how bonkers the show could get. And if you'd like to get in contact with me about future episodes, my email address is reginarody at yahoo.com and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Luke Anand. Live long and prosper. And also, live well.
0: Thank you.